Welcome back to Bible Love. We are in for a treat this week. I think this is the first time that our guest is a mutual friend of both Mary Balfour and myself. Um, Mary Balfour has known the Reverend Worth Stewart for a while back in their days in Alabama. I have known Worth since our days on the football field at Virginia Theological Seminary. You'll notice a, yes. you'll notice a theme. Every guest um, that I know that comes on, um, it usually means I played football with them. Yeah. What that says about my study habits in seminary is another question. <laughs> but, but Worth and I were the quarterbacks. He is now uh, priest associate at Church of the Nativity in Huntsville, Alabama. Thank you, Worth, for joining us. Hi, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Mary Balfour. I'm glad to be with y'all. Would you start us in prayer? I'd love to. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day and for this time together. Give us kind and grateful hearts as we discuss your word. Give us joy in our hearts. Help us to love a little better every day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so worth. It's so fun to see you, um, and I think it's very fitting that you are with us as we talk about these um, particular chapters and verses in Leviticus. So today we are talking about chapters eight um, through ten, and yes. um, so thanks, worth, for doing that with us. We appreciate it. But in yeah. these specific um, verses. Um, or chapters, we talk about the rites of ordination. So, um, you know, you're looking at three ordained priests here in the Episcopal Church. And mm -hmm. really, when I knew um, Worth, we were really kind of doing a lot of the discernment and preparing to go to seminary. I think I went to seminary one year before you did. Um, yeah, one or two, I don't you, remember. But right in the same, Thank you, we were doing a lot of the same work in that. And then when Alan and Worth were together, they were. Um, postulants, but not yet ordained um, from different dioceses, and we're in seminaries. And so I'm sure we have a lot to add to that with what um, Leviticus is saying um, about ordination and what that means. Um, so maybe this might be a little priest focused this time, um, but listeners, um, we all have a call to ministry, whatever that looks like. It might not be ordained ministry, but I think for people that are ordained, it's a good thing to look back at what Leviticus has to teach us about that. So we're starting in chapter eight. Um, maybe we could just read a little bit um, and have a little bit of discussion. Does that sound good to you guys? I'll, I'll just start. I'm in the um, NRSV standard ver NRSV version. Um, chapter eight, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him. The vestments, the ointing oil, the bowl of sun offering, the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble the whole congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. When the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting, Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on them, fastened the sash around him, 
clothed him with a robe and put the ephod on him. He then put the decorated band of the ephod around him, tying it to him with it. He placed the breastpiece on him, and in the breastpiece, he put the Urim and Thummim, and he sat them on his head, a turban on his head in front. He set the golden ornament, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. So I don't know about y'all. I didn't have any of those things done to me when I was ordained. But I think it's interesting to look back at the washing, um, the particular tunic. Um, we would call that now a cincher, I, th- I believe, when we vest. Um, so what do y'all think? I mean, that would have been like a pretty cool, wild way to get ordained. Yeah, I would have loved to breastplate. Yeah, <laughs> right. I had to look all this stuff up. So I looked up all this stuff and just did, did a basic Google image search. And that kind of helped me visualize all of all of this to to kind of see. Um, and I think the tunic was was like would have been kind of our our equivalent of the alb or the uh, or maybe like a, a cassock or whatever that was like the, the bottom layer. Right. And then. Uh, and then the the ephod was the the piece that would go over. Uh, There's like another couple of pieces that would go over, and then the breast piece with with all the the dangly stuff on it, right? And the turban with the um, the gold crown was just for the high priest, apparently. So uh, that was my my limited Google uh, searching uh, <laughs> research there, but it kind of helped me visualize uh, more of what what uh, what all this was. So. Um, uh, yeah, we definitely did. Did y'all have uh, when y'all were ordained? Did you get everything put on you, or just a stole? I, I, that's when I put my chasuble on for the first time. I remember that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, my folks came up and you know put the stole on, and other people did it like in here, right? Like and did the stole, <laughs> did the stole, and then the chasuble. And to me, it thinks right like this isn't dress up, right? These things have meaning. And here in Leviticus, these represent things. And just like we don't wear a stole just because it's fancy and has pretty ornamentation. We don't wear a chasuble because it's pretty. Like they represent things. And I think some of that's lost. Um, and on the flip side, like you were talking about Mary Balfour, it doesn't make like this priest are set apart. But that's a real nuanced thing. Like we're... We're set apart by a community for a community. It's not that we're wholly other, right? We're not special. Mm-hmm. Um, we're given a task, and these are the work clothes of that task. Mm-hmm. And I think, I really do think the history of them is super important because I do think people are like, why do you wear those funny things? Like, what, what, what's the importance of that? I got, worth maybe you were there, I don't know, or you might have been in seminary, but I got ordained to the priesthood at our beloved Camp McDowell. Um, I was the first priest to be ordained there, and that was a pretty significant thing. But I remember having to borrow a red chasuble from Christ Church, Tuscaloosa, because we didn't even have one at St. Mike's right. where, I, where I was. And um, I remember my mom and dad put my stole on me, and one of my brothers was there to put my chasuble on me. And I asked Murray, who is now my husband, but we were not engaged at the time. And I remember we got engaged very, fairly, very soon afterwards. But I remember saying, you cannot break up with me because I don't want to have some bad memory of some old boyfriend putting the shots Can't do that. Can't do that. So we were like in stone after that. But, but that was such an important moment, I remember. 
of, and now I look back on it like seven years later and I still feel such pride when I wear those vestments and those things are so important, but the collar, I don't wear it as much The you know, like they were really important in the beginning. We all have that feeling. And now like, unless you're doing something work related, which Alan, I don't even have our collars on right now. Right. So, I mean, do y'all feel that it gets less important maybe or less, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm less clerical after having been to seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like if Worth Stewart can get ordained a priest, then anybody can get ordained a priest. Yeah, seriously. I mean, this is not, I'm bringing the whole thing down here. Just stop. stop. No, but, but yeah, like part of it, I don't know. At first it's new and you're trying it on and, and it's probably different for a woman than it is a man, right? Cause a woman, I've talked to some women who are priests who say like, there's been so much contention and so much argument in the world about this that I wear it as a sign that this is something that God ordains. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with a middle-aged white guy, right? We've been priests since the beginning. Right. Um, but yeah, like I don't wear a collar unless I'm doing something liturgical, right? Like to me, it's part of the uniform of if I'm going to visit someone who's sick or if I'm going to, you know, celebrate the Eucharist, if I'm just, in the office, I don't typically, and I don't know what that says. Other people have different views and it's fine, but what's your view? See, uh, if I'm, I'm almost the opposite. Like anytime I'm at work at all, uh, working of, of any, unless it's like going to camp or something like that, or doing something that I know if I'm hanging out with the UIC, I don't, I probably won't wear a collar, but on a normal every day, I wear a collar. Uh, if I'm ever representing the church in town or whatever, I wear a collar. If I'm, uh, if I'm, you know, on a Zoom meeting, that's an official church Zoom meeting. Uh, I'll wear a collar with shorts, but no, uh, <laughs> but no, but uh, but I I don't know. And uh, part of it, I guess, is is you know doing whatever the uh, whatever is custom at at the church that I'm, I'm serving. Right. My, my rector at my last church I served, uh, didn't wear a collar that much unless it was a Sunday or he was doing a funeral or, or going to an official meeting or something or whatever. And that was, that was just his thing. But my boss here now, the rector here now, um, wears a collar all the time. And so it's, it's just kind of part of the deal for me. Yeah. yeah. But I don't mind it. it it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, it's it, it, sometimes I really like wearing it out outside the church. If I'm just like going to get lunch or whatever, like I went and walked down the street here in downtown Huntsville and uh, got lunch and, you know, I'm always kind of aware of it. If I go to the grocery store, I'm, I'm always aware of it. Um, when you kind go of, to the liquor store, you're aware. When I, right. So if I'm wearing my clergy shirt, I, I hardly, I, for some reason, I just feel weird if I'm wearing my clergy shirt out and I don't have my collar on. Uh, if I'm out in public, yeah, so I I just kind of, that's, that's part of it for me. Um, one thing I I really kind of, I don't know what, what it brought me to this or what drew me to this, but in, in eight, especially, and maybe even throughout all Leviticus was how much it said, uh, as the Lord commanded, Mm -hmm. as the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded. So that was, um, something that, um, you know, and I, and I was thinking about how things that I do are in ordination things as the Lord commanded. And I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Did y'all, yeah. did y'all kind of catch I that? Think, I think it brings it back to what we've talked about in some of the past weeks of like 
God's really kind of setting up house here, right? And so using words like, and the Lord commanded, really brings the, um, this is serious business. Like I, I'm trying to get y'all in, in good shape, ready so that you can lead the world with my help. But no, all of this is under the Lord's commandment. This is all under how I want this to work. That's kind of how I feel about it. I think that's a great observation in that. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, and I think with those commands, um, and I think we will see this throughout Leviticus, some of it is things not to do. Don't, you know, touch unclean things. There's those commands. But some of it is the things to positively do, the sacrifices, right? We Last week was all about sacrifice. This week, there's a lot more, right? Like there's a bull sacrifice on the altar during this ordination, which certainly didn't happen at my ordination. Yeah. Would have been cool yeah. if it did. But so there's these positive things you do. Yeah. But even the way like we're commanded to care for one another and speak out for one another. And all of this is, it's what it makes me think of is we don't do this because we're nice people. We don't do this because we have the power within ourselves. We do this because the Lord commanded. Like it's like our actions are in response to what God has done and what God commands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, absolutely right. Really good observation. Well, you know, if you keep going in chapter eight, um, there's a lot of commanding happening in chapter eight. Um, and really, again, sort of this setup of how we're going to ordain Aaron as a priest, right? Is that kind of where y'all are with that? And then mm-hmm. chapter nine, um, the heading of mine says Aaron's priesthood inaugurated. So that really on that, after that seven days, again, we have that um, seven days, which is super important throughout the whole Bible. And on the eighth day is when this really is, is happening. We had to guard the tent for seven days. We had to make sure the oil was there and the bull was there and the right vestments and all that. And then we actually kind of get to it in mind. Um, anything in there that, that sort of stood out to y'all or, um, I mean, the bull on the altar, that would have been really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad my ordination didn't take seven days. Although sometimes it felt like it took a lot longer yeah. than that yeah. as far as all the planning. Where yeah. stuff. Where were you ordained again to the priesthood? Do what? Where were you ordained to the priesthood? Where? Um, at uh, the church there where I was serving, oh, okay. uh, Holy, Apostles Holy Apostles in Hoover, Alabama. What about Yeah, down in Birmingham. Alan? Uh, I was ordained to the priesthood at um, St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Cyprus outside of Houston, Texas. Cool. So all the places we were serving is kind of what we were supposed to do. But mine was at Camp McDowell because my parish was so small. they couldn't. I couldn't invite all my family, and I could not tell my 97-year-old grandmother she couldn't come to my ordination. <laughs> so right. We did it at Camp McDowell. But I think those are one of the cool things about ordinations, and I'm sure it was the same thing in this period, was to invite all these people to be a part of this, to witness this. That it's not just the person being ordained, but it's the community that is around to, who's kind of walked with this person through their discernment path, through their calling, um, whatever that may be. And we kind of talked about this before, Alan. Like, I think that's so why it's so important in um, services to lift up and co- or commission our ministers, um, you know, whether the Eucharistic ministers, acolytes, whatever that might be. So that the people around them can support and cheer and love on them. I mean, what do you all think? Yeah, about? absolutely. You know, I think about our ordination service and one of the requirements is that there's presenters. 
and at least one of those presenters needs to be a layperson, right? This whole this whole thing can't happen without the laity, because without you know the first seven chapters of Leviticus is about all these offerings and things that the the people the Israelites are supposed to bring, and and that sets that whole thing up before priests are even in the picture, right? So there's a whole lot of talk about what what's required and what the Israelites need to do. And then, oh, by the way, there's priests. And like for us, right, without the congregation, without the ministry of the laity, what we're relatively useless. Yeah. They don't right, without them. help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So there's a lot of burnt offerings that are happening in that um, parents, um, children become a part of this. Um, I couldn't help but think, I know everybody knows it, but my dad is a priest. And so often I get the question of, are you a priest because your dad is a priest? And, you know, I wonder if Aaron got, Aaron's son's got that same, are you becoming a priest? And their answer probably was yes. My answer is usually not yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite the opposite. Um, but it's just interesting that that, to me, was they were going to just become part of that lineage. They didn't really have a choice of what they were going to do. Right. Where I had got to make that choice. Thank God, because my brothers would probably be super unhappy if they were told you have to become priest. Um, <laughs> you know, or your children. Can you imagine Walker and Ford being like, oh, I got to be a priest? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that'd be tough. Yeah, and I think about that, right? Like, I mean, the, the Levites, like the people of this tribe, of this kin, that's what they eventually did. And, you know, a lot of careers were like that is you do this because and it makes me what I think about with these kids is right now, you know, I'm a huge baseball guy right now. There's a bunch of professional baseball players who are all star caliber, like the best in the league, who are the sons of yeah. former baseball players. And the same thing could be said, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. His dad was one of my favorite players on the Rangers. Is he a professional baseball player because his dad was? Well, no, because you have to have some ability, but, but this kid grew up around baseball his entire life, right? You, Mary Balfour, grew up around the church your entire life. And so God has called you separately apart from what your dad was or is, but, but you can't help. But when you're immersed in that, right, just like Aaron's sons, this is for them, it was lineage and what they were around. But yeah, I think that's why we see a lot of, of PKs who become priests is because that's what they know. Yeah. yeah kind of ingrained in, in them. Well, and even as sure. you said for worth, think about all the people that are ordained priests that grew up at Camp McDowell now. Right? Yeah. I think that's another, I mean, worth is a kid of that. We were talking about our friend Corey Jones and Daniel Strandlin, all of which, if you're listening, guys, we're getting you on the podcast at some point or another. But right, like that's what you grew up in. That's what you need. Yeah. You can't make out almost has this like tradition of lifting up a priest every once in a while, you know, because it was so much ingrained in you. I mean, we're talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so specifically with Camp McDowell, it was it was kind of the place uh, where all of us, me and uh, a lot of my contemporaries, Mary Balfour's contemporaries, our, our mutual friends, where we kind of found God and and found, you know, discovered what it meant to be loved by God and what God's love means to us. And and that kind of manifested itself for us to be like, OK, well, what is this? 
and that was kind of that was just the the place where that happened and those those atoms started moving uh within us to you know to kind of to kind of you know start uh taking hold of 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 our souls and what what we were you know being called to do and so especially in the case with me and and Corey and Jonathan and Daniel we were all youth ministers at the same time uh in the diocese of Alabama because we were all involved at camp at the same time right and then from there we all kind of started to be in discernment uh separately uh, i remember one time Corey and i were you know we were we went to seminary at the same time he went to swanee i went to vts but uh we were we went through all all three years at the same time went through discernment together but when we i didn't know he was he was looking at that and he kind of knew I was looking at that, but then we kind of told each other and we're like, wait, are we about to do this together? Is this what's going to happen? And, and it's that kind of thing that was, uh, that was really cool. And, and so like my, the rector of my church was a Camp McDowell guy who ended up going to seminary. Also um, a PK. Yeah. Also a PK. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, Jack Alvey in Birmingham, he, he was the same way. He, he grew up going to camp and, you know, so there's something about um, people joke that there's something in the water there, but it it really is the place where um, the only place that wasn't you know school or or whatever where we could kind of explore and feel that that uh, that call of of who where our story and where God's story intertwine and how that um, that pushes us forward into something that, you know, we weren't really sure of. I mean, I, I, I kind of had an idea after I worked at summer camp for four summers, like that's what I wanted to do. But then I, I kind of had to work through a little bit of, of, of that, but camp was the place where I discovered that there was something there and that there was some sort of energy behind uh my call and 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 that god was was actually pressing down on me to do something right um and that i knew i wanted to i knew i wanted the church to be a part of my life whether it was ordained priesthood or, or not but um so i explored it and and i mean i grew up at the church i was the kid who was at the acolyte every sunday and the, the at uic every sunday and did diocesan youth stuff and I was, I was that, that guy, I was at the church four days a week, probably, you know, um, well, thank so God it, was, it was part of it, right? You know, and we have you as a, a priest in our church, but you know, I wonder I, if I had to guess the two of you would say, and I'd certainly feel this way. So honored to be called into this ministry and don't take it for granted one day, but you know, yeah. didn't get called into it. God said, you're going to do this, you know, through Moses. And I wonder what that might have felt for him. And I hope at some point he felt honored by it. I'm sure he did. And maybe we'll get to that further on. I haven't read enough for you to know. But maybe that's the difference. I mean, what do they say? Like, the day you don't feel the honor to do the thing you're doing is the day you need to stop doing it. Well, I hadn't gotten anywhere near that point. Um, and I hope I don't for a long, long time. But Aaron didn't have yeah. that choice, right? He was just, okay, God, you're commanding me. I'm at it, you know, and I'm sure that's yeah. very different than what we feel as called ministers. So, 
Yeah, I think, you know, at some level, we are called and there's something inside of us, whether it was, you know, camp is a big place where that happens. College ministry is another place where these vocations are, are kind of kindled and, and cultivated. Um, and it's something that's pursued. But what is it like when it's not that, when it's something that is told you are going to do this? Um, and at some level, you know, discernment is like that, I think. Um, you know, in, in modern times now, we think discernment and vocation is, is what's going to make us happy and what's going to make us fulfilled. There's some level of that that's healthy. But at the same time, sometimes God calls us to do things that is outside of what we think will make us happy or fulfilled. And are we going to follow that? Because we can't get out of our head that God is telling us this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I bet you there's a lot of people listening that have felt that, whether they're ordained priests or not, right? For sure. And how do we listen to that? And it is hard. It is very hard. I think we'd be remiss not to just bring up chapter 10 for just a second. Because this is when priests screw up. Because this is when priests yeah. screw up and they die. Right, which I hope doesn't happen to us. This is uh, type Canon Four or whatever oh, Title Four. I do think it brings <laughs> the humanity, right, of priests, and um, and that we are human beings, and people love to put us on pedestals, which I have not understood why anybody would put me on a pedestal, but they do. And I am learning more and more in my ministry that what I say really matters people really oh yeah that. and i didn't realize how much they listen to that until i've made mistakes now i hope i'm not put to death because of that but i think it is important although we don't want to say we're on this pedestal i think what we say really makes a difference have y'all had those kind of experiences before where you thought oh this is so nonchalant what i'm saying and it's really come back and kind of got you you know yeah, I mean, I, I I can't think of a specific instance, but for sure, I um I I'm always very careful of of what I say. Like, here's one instance, like in announcements. So I made the announcements last Sunday, and it was uh, for some reason, you know, I I'm pretty good at talking off the cuff with with certain things, but for some reason, I always get a little wonky with announcements for whatever reason, and um, and. And so I have to write it all down, like in somewhat detail, scribble it in my, in my order of worship to make sure that I I get everything detailed. And even when I do that, I'm still going to, you know, flub it up a little bit. Um, so I, I, for, for whatever reason that, that reminded me of that, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know if y'all have any other. Don't say worth that there is a. Bible study on Tuesday when it's really on Tuesday because they're going to show up on Tuesday. Right. Or, you know, don't accidentally, you know, don't forget to say that, that, uh, you know, we're coming down with, with the offering plates this time, but don't, you know, we're not going to pass them down or whatever. We're going to just bring them down and we're only going to have, and, and, you know, we're we're still not, we're still not back full uh, with, we're starting music finally with our our hired singers um this sunday and so it's like making sure i have all of that in my brain right and and yeah. all of uh, so it is. it's true announcements are so silly but it but people it's an important way to get 
you know, messages across. Well, and we, they are not going to kill you like they did Aaron's sons, but they might be mad at you for a minute. So it's just like a good yeah. reminder of that. Okay, y'all, our time is already over. Can you believe it? It goes so, 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 so fast. So here's what I think we should talk about before we end. First of all, yeah. work. Thank you yeah. for sharing your discernment. I was really hoping you would talk about Camp McDowell, and I'm so glad you did. And yeah. I hope there are like more amazing priests or ministers or whatever that come out of Camp McDowell, Camp Gravit, all these awesome camps um, and churches around the world that people can look at people like the three of us who are still somewhat young and maybe we were awkward kids and we're like, we want to go be priests. And we turned out to be okay, you know, um, and that you don't have to be. 55 and had a whole career, you know, you can go and do this. And, um, God is always calling us. Right. And we just have to listen. And I'm thankful for our ancestors of Leviticus and what they had to show. And although nobody's got a bull on the altar, um, while their ordination is, um, happening, so much of what was there is still there today. The vestments, the importance and all of that. Any parting words from the two of you? Yeah. Watch out for, uh, Watch out for the the wrong fire, putting the wrong fire on the in in the the sensor. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course it had to be a liturgical mistake because that actually <laughs> folks in the yeah. church may kill you if right. you mess with worship. If you mess with that, you're right. Don't mess with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love spending time with y'all. Thank you. Worth it. Was Thank you guys. Real treat to see. you. Great to see you, Mary Balfour. Great to see you, Alan. Yeah, of course. Because um, we're, um, we're all yeah. in and we've been doing this for like four months. So that means we've got like seven years worth of Bible love ahead of us. So yeah. we'll call you. Any, anytime, I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Remember, listeners, we love you, but most importantly, God does. Mm-hmm.